this is WTM Watch This Movie. What? <laughs> How you doing? Oh, good for you. Oh, wait. I ain't drinking up. First, you gotta do the Trump show. Obviously, you're not a golfer. Watch a few movies, take a few notes. W-G-M. Watch this movie. All right, let's do this. Welcome back to a brand new edition of WTM Watch This Movie. I am Eric Mulder. My safe word is keep going. <laughs> Still works. Still works, still, I guess. Still an ineffective safe word, but... <laughs> uh, joining me today, once again, is Mr. Positivity, Wolfie T. Or do you have a new nickname? I don't know. Call me Lone Wolf. I think very highly of myself. And I've also earned it. <laughs> it's pretty fitting. <laughs> Such a lone wolf. You really want that as a nickname? No. No, didn't think so. Mr. Positivity is pretty good. And Wolfie T works. The uh, the lines following it fit pretty well, though. And I doubt you want to change your Twitter handle again. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's a quote from the movie we're talking about today, The Town That Dreaded Sundown from 2014. This is our last episode of the horror extravaganza. Yeah. It's a it's little a, bit of a carryover. It's It's been a minute. I swamped at the theater the past couple of weeks, so didn't have all that much time to record and or edit. And I don't do any of those things, so. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Although you, uh, you've been doing stuff on, for the, uh, for Teespring. You even got a new design out for November. That's right. It's, it's pretty groovy. It's, uh. A little bit of a 70s style. Mm-hmm. Well, there's going to be another one up there. With fall colors as well. Yeah. There's going to be a second one up there, but Teespring read my description and said, <laughs> that has got to be a copyright infringement, even though it's not. <laughs> I was going to put up a, uh, a version of our, our main logo in the uh, Colors reminiscent of the local professional basketball team here in Minnesota. And I wrote in the description that it was inspired by the Minnesota Timberwolves, <laughs> which was an automatic rejection. So that'll I'll probably put it up at some point. I'll just have to not put that in the description. <laughs> so if you're interested in that, look for it later. Uh, also, new promo code. For the month of November, use the code THANKS to get 10% off your order. There you go. Thanks for doing that, Brad. Like Thanksgiving. That happens. <laughs> well, is that no- what it's for? That's what happens in November. <laughs> that so, it does. Uh, yeah, through the end of November, T-H-A-N-K-S will get you 10% off. Nice. So go check it out. That would be a big help. Should I say the, the store URL? Sure, go uh, for it. Because you never put it in anything. Uh, <laughs> teespring.com slash stores slash WTM Watches Movie. There it is. Yeah, we'll probably have a few less episodes this month. Although next week we're going to have a new episode come out where it's kind of an expanded recently seen because, well, Brett's been watching a lot of movies. I've seen a couple, but 
been to the theater a few times mm. recently. So be a jumbo-sized, recently-seen episode. I guess so. And then we don't know what we're doing next. So just <laughs> wait, okay? <laughs> wait and see. Or if you got suggestions, I don't care. You can set us <laughs> suggestions. We may or may not do it. Yeah, we're... Uh, brainstorming about uh, Christmas movies that'll be coming up in December. Also, episode 200 is on the horizon. But uh, yeah, let's get into today's film. The Town That Dreaded Sundown from 2014 was directed by Alfonso Gomez Rion, starring Addison Timlin as Jamie, Veronica Cartwright as Lillian, Anthony Anderson as Lone Wolf Morales, Travis Tope as Nick, Joshua Leonard as Deputy Foster, Andy Abele as Sackhead. He basically just played the Phantom throughout the film. What? Yeah, called him Sackhead. This <laughs> <laughs> is a Sackhead. <laughs> Gary Cole plays Chief Deputy Tillman. Edward Herman is Reverend Cartwright. Ed Lauder is Sheriff Underwood. Arabella Field is Dr. Kelly. Dennis O'Hare plays Charles B. Pierce Jr. Spencer Tree Clark is David Dunn Jr. <laughs> Actually, his name's Corey. <laughs> is his name David? <laughs> no, it's Corey. No, like in the other no. movie. No, I, I don't know what it is. I just, <laughs> it's probably why I said David Dunn Jr. But yeah, he's the kid from uh, Unbreakable and Glass, plays Bruce Willis's son. My f- my favorite part of Glass is when he was doing Google searches for uh, uh, James McAvoy's character. Yeah. And he sees something that's so profound that he has to stand up to read it. <laughs> <laughs> Hell of an actor, this guy, I would tell you. I was actually surprised that he was still around, mm-hmm. let alone doing things outside of M. Night Shyamalan. <laughs> Uh, Wes Chatham or Chatham plays Danny. Morgana Bridgers is Kendra. Jaron Mitchell plays Johnny. I think that's a. We're getting down. We're getting into the weeds here. Did you only read off one sheriff? Yeah. Sheriff's going to get a word in. You didn't really know the sheriff of either town or either police uh, organization because people like Gary Cole got all the screen time. Well, I recognize the one sheriff, the bald headed guy. Yeah, Ed Lauder, Sheriff Underwood. Yeah. But I don't see another sheriff. I mean, there were two. It's probably down farther. Neither of them were in charge. <laughs> that they were not. That's what happens when you have two sheriffs. You just need one HSIC. Mm-hmm. All right, let's go to synopsis. 65 years after a mass serial killer terrorized the small town of Texarkana, the so-called Moonlight Murders begin again. Is it a copycat or something even more sinister? There it is. Ricky Wayne was Sheriff Rutland. Okay. A lonely high school girl with dark secrets of her own may be the key to catching him. Oh, I thought you were done. I didn't mean to cut you off. Well, you waited a whole point two seconds before you. Well, you took a long. It... You took a long <laughs> it pause. Was not a long pause. <laughs> it's all right. I'll just edit and post and put it before. <laughs> It'll be easy if there's such a huge pause. When you listen back, I bet you you look at your screen and there's a big gap there. <laughs> I don't think so. A nice, nice one and a half, two second gap. 
Um, so yeah, this is kind of a unique film in that it's both a sequel and kind of a reboot. Well, it's really meta. Very, very much so. Because it's it's a movie about a movie based on a real event, mm-hmm. but it's 40 years after the movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's kind of bizarre. Um, the director, uh, this was his first uh, big feature, and he followed it up with Me and Earl and the Dying Girl which was obviously very popular. And The Current War, which obviously wasn't. (laughs) The director's cut, though. It had to have been better than the theatrical. So you got to give him that little bit of credit. Oh, yeah. (laughs) It's It's not very good. It's not terrible either. Yeah. This one was much better. He definitely started off at a high point. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's a stay tuned for next week. (laughs) I don't know if you'll discuss it on that episode. I don't know if that one will make a cut. That would have to be like a super duper recently (laughs) seen episode to make the cut. I see. Because I don't know if I want to talk about that one. Uh, Yes, let's talk a little bit about first. I'll kind of give you a general background to the real life murders. And then maybe we'll talk about the 74 film for a little bit. Uh, So the Texarkana Moonlight Murders, a term coined by the news media, were a series of unsolved murders and other violent crimes committed in and around Texarkana in the spring of 1946 by an unidentified serial killer known as the Phantom Killer or Phantom Slayer. The killer is credited with attacking eight people within 10 weeks, five of whom were killed. The attacks happened on weekends between February 22nd, 46, and May 3rd, 46. He let three people live? Apparently. Oh, what a shitty serial killer. Uh, the first two victims, Jimmy Hollis and Mary La- Mary Larry. <laughs> L-A-R-E-Y. Is it Loray? Could be. Is the A little and the R big? No. Well, I don't know how that... <laughs> uh, but yeah, those two survived. The first double murder, which involved Richard Griffin and Polly Ann Moore, happened four weeks later. Second double homicide involving Paul Martin and Betty Jo Booker occurred exactly three weeks after the first murders. And almost exactly three weeks later, Virgil Starks was killed and his wife Katie was severely wounded. The Texas Rangers came in to investigate, including the famous M.T. Lone Wolf Gonzalez. So there was a real lone wolf back in 46. Came yeah. in to become the HSIC. <laughs> I'm guessing they took a little uh, artistic uh, license when casting Anthony Anderson as Lone Wolf Morales. Yeah. Oh, wait. Um, there's also allegedly more victims. Uh, the main one I, s- I see here talked about is the disappearance of Virginia Carpenter. It's a cold case, Texarkana in 48. It's been speculated that it's the work of the Phantom, but it's in 48. Yeah, I thought they got rid of him in 46. That's the thing. He was never caught. He's a Phantom. <laughs> I mean, he dresses in bright purple. He's got a, a full body spandex purple suit with a hood over it and a black eye mask well billy zane has been known from time to time to go missing 
Let's see. But he's not very, like, hard to miss. <laughs> but, yes, um, there's different theories of to who the killer was. I guess the prime suspect would kind of be considered uh, Yule Swinney. Uh, he was linked to the murders by statements from his wife. But she uh, refused to testify against him, and he was never convicted. Uh, there's a book that came out in 2014, The Phantom Killer, Unlocking the Mystery of the Texarkana Serial Murders by Dr. James Presley also points to Swinney as the culprit of all five attacks. He thinks there's enough evidence to close the case. And the two lead investigators also thought it was him. Hmm. But there's other suspects as well. Um, you're free to uh, look them up. It's all organized neatly here on Wikipedia. I don't just want to read the entire page for you, so... See, I I would suspect that in '46 it would probably be pretty easy to get away with murder. <laughs> probably, <laughs> they didn't have DNA, mm-hmm. and uh, fingerprints were pretty shoddy. Then again, in a small town, you would think somebody would know something. You would think. Then again, everyone gets you know suspicious of each other, and it's. I mean, small town. There's a lot of grudges. If that happened today, you catch him off that trombone pretty quick. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so let's, with that, let's get into the 74 film. Or 70, wait, 76? I think it's 76. It's the 1976 film, The Town That Dreaded Sundown, directed by Charles B. Pierce. Uh, it was loosely based on the Moonlight Murders. It take various license <laughs> with the murders. And in fact, uh, there's a scene where the Phantom kills somebody by attaching a knife to a trombone and then playing it, stabbing them in the back while they're tied up. (laughs) Playing it very poorly. It's very elaborate and very unnecessary. (laughs) He ties them, he he ties their arms around a tree, so they're like hugging the tree, and they're on their knees, and then he tapes a knife to the slide on the trombone. Mm Mm-hmm. And then he slides it back and forth while <laughs> attempting to play it. <laughs> Which would take a long time. Yeah. I would suspect. And again, the film kind of ends with uh, the police chasing the phantom across these railroad tracks. And there's a, a train coming and he kind of just disappears behind the train. Yeah. Does Some people even... thought that he would he escaped by hopping a train. Does he have an injured leg too? Yeah, I'm not sure how accurate that was. Well, in the movie, I mean. Yeah. Uh, I think so. You, you've seen it more recently than I have. I think, he, I think he injures his leg trying to get across the train tracks. Mm-hmm. The 76 film is pretty decent. I think it was built up a little too much for me when I saw it, but it was still pretty solid. It's a very early example of a slasher film. Well, it's it's done like a documentary, mm-hmm. uh, so it's not necessarily a horror film. It's more it's like a crime drama almost, uh, where they're investigating the killer. But they also do show a lot of the the murder scenes. Yeah, and interspliced between those very serious scenes are like straight up slapstick comedy. <laughs> With one of the deputies who's just a fucking screw up 
and uh, it's it's almost jarring how much the tone shifts from scene to scene between scenes with the deputy being goofy and you know kind of being a fuck up versus the scenes of the murders and the serious investigations that you couldn't quite find the middle ground and <laughs> and uh, you know seamlessly put it all together. Yeah, but I mean it's it's worth seeing. Yeah. And uh, as the new film opens, it opens with a showing of the 76 film in Texarkana. And uh, that's actually true since 2003. Every year close to Halloween, uh, it is shown at one of two theaters I read in Texarkana. Yeah. They still get, you know, a lot of people to show up every year. So it's put on by the uh, Texarkana Parks Parks and Recreation Department. Well, it is recreational. <laughs> they do. It's like a movies in the park type of thing I they got see. going on. They do show it as uh, in this movie. It's at a drive-in. Yep. So yeah, but yeah. So like, even before that, like they, they explain the murders and then yep. they explain the movie, and then they're like, now the movie gets shown every year, and the movies within our movie. And- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, let's get to our first clip. Not too many clips today, so this one sets up the 2014 film. In the spring of 1946, in the small town of Texarkana, on the Texas-Arkansas border, a series of horrific murders were committed by a masked assailant known only as the Phantom Killer. For three harrowing months, the Phantom stalked the back roads of Texarkana, following young couples looking for privacy to isolated areas where their screams for help would go unanswered. Though several arrests were made in connection with their brutal slayings, which ended as suddenly as they began, the killer's identity was never confirmed. Indeed, many people who lived through that nightmare time believed the phantom spent the rest of his days free, walking the streets of Texarkana quietly and anonymously, until his assumed death. In 1976, a film inspired by the infamous Moonlight Murders was released. Every year on Halloween, the town that dreaded sundown is screened somewhere in Texarkana. In tribute to the Phantom's legacy of death and blood. Today, Texarkana is a place haunted by its past, defined by a mystery that was never solved, and a tragedy that could never be forgotten. The following happened in Texarkana last year. So yeah, as you said, it opens at, at a drive-in. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's, a, there's a bit of a protest right next to it. It's funny because uh, there's a, a church group there. The reverend is you know, telling everyone basically that they're going to hell because this is evil. You know, Come to church instead. You know, yeah. Don't watch this film. It's funny because they're on the drive-in property. Like they didn't they're, make them go across the street or anything. They're like right underneath the sign <laughs> yeah, at the at the entrance of the parking lot. How the hell are they allowed to sit there? I don't know. They're handing out flyers too inside mm-hmm. the inside the drive-in, and they're talking and shit like that. It's like <laughs> people are trying to watch the fucking movie, dude. That's true. The radio station I wrote it down as KVGH. And they're stomping the devil with the gospel. <laughs> that's that's what the uh, banner on their table said. 
<laughs> sure did. And he's really not happy that they're showing the movie. He thinks they're trivializing the uh, the events mm. as the murders were real, and uh, they're uh, basically spitting on the legacy of the people who were killed. Yeah, real people died, you know. Yeah. yeah it opens with a, a crane shot. It's a long crane tracking shot, I guess, that kind of swoops over the screen and then dips down low, and you see everyone uh, coming and going and watching the movie and stuff like that. There's some really cool camera work in this movie. Yeah. Like, very, like, different camera angles and movement throughout. Mm -hmm. It's very dreamlike. Like, it seems like a lot of it is, like, a dream sequence. Yeah, some of it's lit really very brightly. Yeah. Even the night scenes when there's the light shining on them, it's almost like everyone has a glow. Yeah. Sometimes, like, they just have, like, different colored lights, like, they have an orange or a red. Yeah. Like, it looks different. It's, it's, I liked it. It's kind of uh, unique in that everyone, I guess it's almost like, a reboot or a remake of the 76 film in a way because of just purely with the costume. Yeah. Everyone's dressed like they're from the 70s. Mm-hmm. And there's even, they like the police have new cars and cruisers and whatnot, but there's a lot of classic 70s vehicles that people drive around. Yeah. Because it opens with, uh, what does David Dunn Jr. have? I have no idea. I forget. It was a red uh, muscle car from the 70s. I forget what make or model, but a lot of people have these classic muscle cars and she like the main character the heroine she's wearing uh she's wearing bell bottoms half the movie and you're like (laughs) this is not in style now uh it's texarkana though they're a little behind the rest of the country (laughs) i guess but uh yeah she's jamie the uh main character she's not enjoying the movie too much so uh cory is his name yeah He's like, all right, yeah, well, let's leave. Let's get out of here. To which the reverend was tickled pink. Good for you. <laughs> leaving. <laughs> he didn't know what they were going to go do. <laughs> but uh, he was just glad they weren't doing it in the, the parking lot of the movie. Yeah, he might prefer that they go fool around in the woods. But, yeah, that's what they do. Go to a lover's lane because that's uh, the phantom killer was known to kind of target couples in the Lover's Lane. Yeah. Is it just me, or did she seem like she was uh, she's like, well, I'll blow you just for, you know, because I feel bad that we had to leave the movie. But she doesn't. Well, she didn't get the chance to. <laughs> she did seem kind of uncomfortable like just being there. Like she was a reluctant but willing. <laughs> I guess, yeah. Cause what was good the, way to describe it. What was the deal like? Was it? I forget. One of them was, uh, he was uh, afraid to ask her out. Was that what it was? But then she wanted to go out with him anyways. And it was something like that. Yeah, it was something like that. And then like, she's like, well, since I never talked to you and we took so long to, you know, get together, I'm, you know, go let you do what you want. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, nothing can happen because, uh, which is problematic five years later. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, yeah, there's a, a hooded person in the woods. 
Old Sackhead. <laughs> they should have called him Sackhead instead of the Phantom. But hilarious. <laughs> yeah, I don't th- that wouldn't scare anyone. Sackhead's coming for you. <laughs> It's like, oh, that sackhead. <laughs> yeah. He's... Oh, I get it, because he has a, a sack over his head. <laughs> oh, I thought that's it, clever. I thought it was because you didn't want to call him a dickhead. <laughs> well, it's spelled S A C K head. Regardless. <laughs> yeah. And they, he's like, all right, yeah, let's kind of get out of here slowly. <laughs> <laughs> and by the time that happens, the Phantom's, uh, he's at the car already. Yeah. Corey can't get his fucking door open. <laughs> like, uh, it's locked, but I'm going to pull the handle and it won't open. Yeah, because he tells them both to get out of the car. Yeah. So, well, I think he breaks a window. Eventually, I think he breaks yeah. a window. And he makes makes uh, Jamie go stand uh, facing away. Mm-hmm. And then he tells uh, Corey to take off his fucking pants and get on the fucking ground. Yep. He's very, pr- he's very specific. Jamie tries to sneak a peek once in a while. And he goes, Stop looking! Stop looking! I need privacy. <laughs> he starts getting like a Jack Scagnetti uh, specificity about him. I want you to kiss me and pinch my nipple. <laughs> so specific. <laughs> hey, guess what? You want to know a secret? I killed a guy once. <laughs> no shit. <laughs> so anyway, Sackhead mounts uh, Corey mm. and starts stabbing away. And uh, I think he might have climaxed. Could have. It was. Uh, well, there was a lot of stuff spraying. You could see most of it only in silhouettes or shadow. Right. But then he... Like at the end, he kind of gave a little shiver. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (sighs) All right. The uh, Phantom was mad that Jamie turned around and looked like twice. Basically, (laughs) he's like, "Oh, you looked," and then he chases her. Yeah. And then uh, chases her down. It doesn't kill her. Just wants her to make everyone remember. Remember Mary. This is it for Mary. <laughs> She's like, I don't know Mary. Who is Mary? And then that leads to maybe my favorite shot in the whole film. You get that cool uh, title logo, kind of the cool font. And then it appears as though Jamie is coming out of the movie screen. Way it's shot. So meta, dude. <laughs> Oops, you came out of the movie. While in a movie about those movies' events and <laughs> the events in that movie, <laughs> I can't describe it. I don't know. <laughs> There's a lot going on here. Make your head explode. Yeah, yeah. I think this movie's great, or at least the ambition is is there. It does have some flaws. The acting's okay, not bad. I mean, probably yeah. better than average for movies of this type. Yeah, and when I say movies of this type, I just mean like low budget horror. Mm-hmm. Although this is, you know, from the you know makers of Get Out. So <laughs> yeah, but they didn't have that Get Out money yet. <laughs> this is when they're still just the producers of Paranormal Activity. <laughs> yeah, this is uh, Blumhouse, Jason Blum producer. 
So uh, yeah, I mean, see that obviously that guy has a good track record now, but at the time it was still kind of, you know, indie horror movies. Now they're they're indie, but they still have decent sized budgets. Yeah, you know? people are going to give Jordan Peele money next movie he makes. Wow, well, just yeah. like they did a decent amount for us. I'm sure it didn't cost a lot, but well, I don't know. And then he's doing that uh, Twilight Zone on CBS, uh, his yeah. uh, pay service. Mm-hmm. CBS All Access. Yeah, is that what it's called. So I've not seen that, but uh, Bloomhouse—they're they'll produce anything that's even remotely a horror movie. <laughs> yeah. They are the dimension of the teens. <laughs> I used to love Dimension when it come on, came on screen. I wonder how much money it costs to make that uh, studio logo, uh, little five-second clip with the chair spinning and the books flying across the way and the little girl walking around. <laughs> yep um so yeah where was that now yeah my next note is man fuck that movie for dredging up bad memories (laughs) so you're on the reverend side well i think that somebody's taking it very seriously (laughs) and stabbing the shit out of Corey. yeah relevant to today you know that reverend's worried about the movie maybe causing violence yeah. These certain people in the town, because there's a big meeting after this. We're not quite there yet, but basically, uh, yeah, she's found by everyone at the theater. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I think you next see her with a therapist, some sort of a counselor. Well, it was kind of weird because there was the. Uh... No, I, I think before that, even there was a. Uh... She goes and Googles uh, Mary. She goes to the Wikipedia page. <laughs> the not Wikipedia Wikipedia page. I think it's called like what infomaniac.com or something. <laughs> something like that. Some weird name. But it's definitely Wikipedia. Mm-hmm. And she finds out it's uh, Mary Jean Larry or whatever her name is. And she was the first victim. Uh But then there's like there's a weird scene. So that it's kind of weird cuz there's like a dream sequence where Corey shows up and then there's a scene where she's at the wake for Corey and Corey's parents are there and they kind of attack her and then she's at the therapist yeah talking about her dreams <laughs> and so that was one of the first where I noticed where it's like well at that wake it was definitely very surreal how they shot it mm-hmm. like a lot of wide angles and Camera's kind of tilted, uh, and uh, you slut, you killed him. Yeah, <laughs> and I like I assumed it was a just you know a normal, you know thing that actually happened. But then mm-hmm. you question it, like maybe that was a dream too. Maybe she had two dreams, a dream within a dream. We've had a lot of those in movies lately. We've talked about. So, yeah, uh, not long after that, um, one of the deputies uh, is talking to Jamie at her house, talking to her at the table where she's uh, this this is where she's kind of telling him about Mary. He's told me that he wants people to remember Mary. Possibly. I don't know if I wrote anything about that. Because right after that is what the big guy. Texarkana meeting where we got people from 
Texas, some people from Arkansas. All right. And yeah. people are GD pissed. <laughs> Reverend Cartwright, will you lead us in a word of prayer? Our dear Heavenly Father, we ask you to deliver us through this trial. Shield us during this time of fire and blood, of confusion and despair. We ask you to lend us some of your strength and give it to these fine young men and women that they may help guide us through this forest of fear and darkness. This town, we ask all of where these I was born, where I grew up, Jesus Christ. is the only place Amen. I've ever known. Amen. Mayor's asked us to hold this forum and give you an update and hear your concerns. Well, an update would be great. People are saying the Phantom is back, that after 60-some years he's come back and that we need to be ready. Ma'am, he'd be 100 years old. Every time we show that GD movie, there's a GD party out there. The Phantom is our dirty secret. That movie will never be shown in Texarkana again, not on the Texas side. And not on the Arkansas side either. And while you're at it, why don't you tear down that statue of Jim Bowie? Isn't he holding one of them GD knives? Why don't you rip that down? Everyone knows some piece of the story, but the whole truth has been all but buried. We're all so surprised that the Phantom's back. Of course he is. You can't leave a candle burning in a window for someone and then be surprised when he finally shows up. Amen. 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 Most of the people alive back then are no longer with us. Or they just don't want to remember. But everything comes back. The past is alive. All around us. Sackers of evil. my daddy said. First words from... Charles B. Pierce Jr. Okay. I was going to say, I thought that's who it was, but you don't find that out till later. So he's just sitting in the back of the, the courthouse. He's looking super suspicious. Because it was like a kind of a big courtroom area, right? Yeah. I think it was at this it was yeah, like the city, courthouse or like city, city hall. hall. Yeah. And he's just kind of sitting in the back talking to himself. I and mean, he's surrounded by people, but he's carrying on a conversation like, mm. He's the only one that's not visibly outraged or... Extremely bored. Probably because he's drunk. <laughs> it's my daddy said, my daddy this, my daddy that. We'll get to some more of that later. But So I think he's one of the first, quote unquote, suspects for the audience. Like, who's the weird guy in the courthouse? Or the, he definitely looks it. You know. He looks the part. Like, that guy's suspicious. I think after that, is that when the the Marine gets back from his, uh, or the soldier, is he a soldier or a Marine? I don't know. Gets yep. back from wherever he was mm-hmm. overseas, presumably. His uh, lady meets him at the airport. Mm-hmm. They embrace. And boy, does she meet him. <laughs> <laughs> then they go straight to a hotel, which confused me. I would have thought they were in Los Did, Angeles, the way it, that she greeted him at the airport. Like, don't either of you live here? <laughs> Let's meet in Texarkana, Texas. I guess that's true. Yeah, where's that airport at? You <laughs> think Texarkana has our airport? I don't know. I think it's a pretty good size one. I think Texarkana is a pretty decent sized town, but I don't know. It's portrayed as fairly small. Yeah, it covers two states, dude. That's true. Maybe they're just passing through. But, I mean, uh, the phantom killer shows up. He must have known what was going on. 
Yeah, right. well, they were pretty much the only couple in that whole hotel. Right. There's nothing, nobody will know their cars in the parking lot. Well, they uh, they made their presence known. <laughs> it was <laughs> a very... Uh, uh, very graphic. <laughs> very graphic sex scene. It's very uh, passionate. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, they don't hold back. It's, yeah. And they work themselves up quite a sweat, and, you know, they're thirsty. They need some ice. Some soda. What they need. Oh, yeah, he was going to get soda. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, I was a little confused because she pulls a ring out. And I don't know if she was going to propose to him or if he had just proposed to her or what the deal was. But uh, somebody comes knocking on the window <laughs> with her boyfriend's head. <laughs> <laughs> it's a phantom killer. <laughs> he breaks through that window with uh, the dead boyfriend's head. I got to say, the, uh, the the murder scenes in this movie are fucking brutal <laughs> yeah like they they do not uh sugarcoat any of the violence because mm-hmm. she runs into the bathroom yeah so he breaks the window with the boyfriend's head mm-hmm. and yeah she runs to the back yeah and jumps out of the second story window <laughs> just snaps her leg in half bone comes through the skin <laughs> then she hobbles to the car where he makes her spray, cover the inside of the car with her blood. Stabs her about a thousand times. Apparently. He's like fucking Rambo. Leaves nobody for dead. Yeah. So now we're up to three murders. Yeah. And uh, then we get a little montage. The town boarding up. Yeah. And all the, ladies, all the old ladies are strapping up. Well, I think you, I don't know if you've, you haven't talked about your new clip yet. Oh, is that in there too? Because I think it was right after um, the, it could have been right after this second murder. Because uh, it starts with only one murder. So yeah. you wouldn't think the Texas Rangers would be brought in over one murder. Yeah, it's right after that montage of uh, everybody getting ready mm-hmm. to uh, handle the Phantom if he comes after them. Yeah. You got old ladies at the shooting range shooting the... The uh, target's shaped like the Phantom. Mm-hmm. Everybody's strapped up, boarding up their windows. And then, uh, yeah, we meet the new man in charge because the two sheriff uh, departments are just fuck-ups. <laughs> can't do anything right. And they can't work together. So we get Anthony Anderson in charge. There's a strong theme of duality in this film. Everything basically has a double. Yeah. I mean, spoilers for the end, but we find out there's two killers in a town that's in two states. There's two sheriffs. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll get into more of it at the end, but um, yeah, there's a lot of a lot of doubles in this movie, a lot of two of everything. Speaking of which, I, th- I found it funny that uh, <laughs> towards the end when Jamie leaves with her, is her grandmother, right? Yeah. So they're driving. They're going to leave Texarkana and uh, I think go to California or something like that. And uh, the grandma says, never been outside of Texas. And I'm like, you haven't been across the fucking street? (laughs) (laughs) It's like that main street, I think, is the dividing line. I didn't even think of that. (laughs) I've never been out of Texas. I'm like, the fuck you haven't? (laughs) 
So how did you get home? You just make right turns then? or <laughs> I'm not going the other side of town. <laughs> the dangerous Arkansas side. <laughs> oh, man. I didn't even think about that. Like You live on the border. <laughs> Literally. Because I think they set up that city hall is in both states. Probably. At least the way they shot it when they were talking about the town is in two states. And mm. like it shot like almost like that main street was almost the, the border. It's like bad times at the El Royale, only it's the whole city. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> it meets uh, the street, runs straight into that courthouse, right in the middle of it. Okay. So I thought maybe that would be the, That's probably the dividing it. line. That's why they had all the color, or all the Arkansas on one people and all the Texas yep. on the other side. And in the, in the police station, they have that long table, and you're supposed to assume <laughs> that Texas is on one side and Arkansas is on the other. Which uh, Maybe if that police station is in that same building, yeah, they're like, okay, now we need to have a conference room in the center of this building. <laughs> There's going to be a table in the center of that. This is where all the meetings will be held. <laughs> Cross communication because we can't talk to each other in the fucking office. Apparently, I gotta say, Lone Wolf didn't do a whole lot. He basically comes in and watches the movie over and over <laughs> again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, people are getting killed, <laughs> and he's like, "No, I, I'm still watching. I don't." Uh, it's 2013, and all they got is a TV that's 40 years old and a VCR. <laughs> yeah, the. Uh... The other cops there, Gary Cole and that Ed Lauder, Lauder guy, seems like they're all just out of ideas. <laughs> Pretty much. They basically just gave up on it. There's a couple of times where Jamie comes in with, like, I have some new evidence for this that might point this this way or this way. Or have you guys tried this? And Gary Cole's just like, yeah, yeah, we've already, <laughs> already been down that road. Yeah. yeah. They, they let her go through the whole theory. <laughs> and he's like, yep, yep, we did that. Yeah, we know about that. No, that person's dead. No, you're no, <laughs> absolutely not. But uh, she meets her friend uh, from high school at the uh, the local, uh, or I guess it's at the courthouse. Yeah, I think it's like the old courthouse that they've kind of turned into a library. So he's got uh, he's in charge of the record. He's like the custodian of the records, mm-hmm. and he's supposed to charge her for copies. But he's such a nice guy. You can just Xerox you can just do whatever you want. We we keep them in the old jail cell. The archives. Because we don't arrest anybody around here because we've given up all theories on how to stop this phantom guy, and we're just going to let him kill. And they must have been trying to remodel or re- reorganize or something because I've never seen a library or records facility of any kind that just throws the microfiche like locked away in a cell somewhere. <laughs> like That's what They're people... Just- if you're going to a library... That's probably one of the main reasons you're going outside of like internet access. Well, it's not really a library. It's it's like like the I don't know what you like the the records, the uh, public records. Yeah, but they have all those at the library. They'll have the town paper for well, you know hundred years. But she was looking at like more of the the case documents. Yeah, some of those I suppose. But yeah, either way, um, what was his name? Boyfriend number two. Nick. His name is Nick. Okay. 
Oh, should we talk about the email? It's an email from the Phantom, and he's mad because she <laughs> she hasn't told anybody about Mary. She hasn't made him remember yet because uh, that's what he's told her to do. And uh, the police says, "Don't tell anybody about any of this. We want to keep it quiet. They don't want a panic on their hands." <laughs> but we already saw the montage. People are panicking. Some of these people have been through this before. <laughs> Seen this movie, and not at the drive-in either. Been there, done that. <laughs> so my daddy said. Uh, so they say, don't tell anybody. We'll take care of the email. And it's really, you know, they're just dismissing her. They, they're just like, just, we'll have somebody park outside your house just in case. But we're not really going to do anything. Yeah, I thought it was funny. They're just kind of a worthless uh, security guard. I mean, it's a cop. It's the yeah. deputy. We find out later it's the killer, one of them. But <laughs> he's just sitting outside the house, like lights off, just hanging out in the car. Yeah. Not ever getting out, walking around. Like Nick goes up to the house several times without being <laughs> harassed by the police. Yeah, he goes around the back way just, that one night. She's like, well... He looks okay. He's not wearing a sack on his head or anything. <laughs> not like old sack head. <laughs> See him coming a mile away because it's a white white hood. White sack. Well, it's a good thing he was going with the sack because if he was wearing a white hood, he'd probably blend in pretty well in Texas. <laughs> he, he would think maybe. Speaking of white hoods, did you see when the Jets played the Jaguars? That the uh, the Jaguars mascot put a white hood on <laughs> and was a quote-unquote ghost. <laughs> Didn't he have like a full body? Uh... Oh, he had white robes on yeah. too? Yeah. It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a real ghost. It's an old-timey ghost. He, it wasn't a pointy hood. He Brett. put he put a lowercase T on the field and burned it, so it was nice and bright, so that <laughs> the Jets knew that it was time to leave. <laughs> yeah, the Jets quarterback was seeing ghosts, literally. Oh man, in Jacksonville, um, I I believe that uh, in Jacksonville, anybody wearing <laughs> white sheets is definitely just dressing as a ghost. <laughs> <laughs> oh and just for clarification i do have that uh website written down as infomania.com i think i said infomaniac so infomania infomania.com i bet hulk hogan runs that or at least owns it <laughs> infomania.com brother so i think this is about the time as he said she's researching a lot of stuff yeah She's finding out bits of information here and there. She's going to the police. They're like, nah, I already did that. <laughs> <laughs> and there's a, there's a candlelight vigil. Yeah. <laughs> to which for, this is one of like the few flaws in the movie. So It's for the soldier and his girlfriend. Yeah. And there are a lot of other military people there in uniform, mm -hmm. presumably armed, because it's Texas slash Arkansas. 
And the phantom shows up and they shoot him dead right away. And I thought, man, this, when he showed up, I thought, man, this phantom's got balls showing <laughs> up <laughs> in public. <laughs> he finds out it's the kid from the beginning who the Reverend tried to turn around. Yeah. Like, Don't watch this movie. One of the long haired kids. He was wearing the Town of Dreaded Sundown t shirts. <laughs> <laughs> like he's going to leave. Well, it's, it's, it's supposed to. Make you think, okay, they found him, it's over. But it's like, there's still like 45 minutes left. Yeah, because there's a, a, some sort of a fundraiser event across town. Or I guess the town elites are there, the reverends there, the uh, I think the mayors are there, other officials. Like, yeah. oh, we have an announcement. The fa- you know, the phantom killer has been shot and killed and... Yeah. Lead us in prayer, Reverend. Oh, thank you, sweet Jesus, for <laughs> delivering us from this, you know, this terror. And everyone's just like, oh, everything's good now. He showed up to a vigil and they shot him. <laughs> Case closed, Watson. Well, you look a lot smaller in person, Phantom. <laughs> this was a lot easier than we thought it was going to be. Like, you're really losing your touch. Well, I guess it's really easy to find fi- uh, phantom costumes because there's there's a bunch of them around. Like, yeah, get that exact jacket and the exact uh, burlap sack to put on your head. I'm just wondering who actually called that event because it was I think it was like the house phone, and they get <laughs> what's her face. I don't know if she was a, one of the mayors. I think she was or, the mayor. Yeah. Okay, of which side? <laughs> uh, I want to say Texas. Yeah. Because at that uh, at that meeting at the courthouse or city hall, like that film will never be shown again in Texarkana, at least on the Texas side. <laughs> and the, there was another guy. I think it was a it was a black mayor. Yep. He's like not on the Arkansas side either. They're making a big stand. Mm-hmm. Was that like a school? That wasn't like a school dance or something, was it? It was some kind of like, too many old people there. It was like a <laughs> ball. Yeah, like they're having sort of a event. ball. It was a fundraiser or event or something. It's all like dance. That. He's dead. <laughs> some sort of an official had to call her and be like, "Yeah, there was a guy that looked like the Phantom, so they shot him. He's dead. So problem solved." <laughs> the way we find out it wasn't really the Phantom is there's two high school age boys who go to it's like an electric graveyard. Yeah, junkyard like, of some sort. It's like junkyard with all old signs and mm-hmm. uh, I don't even know what a, if it was an old amusement park or something. I don't know. Keep it with the seventies aesthetic. Aesthetic, although I think they're driving a newer convertible. Yeah, and then it seemed like they was, mi- they might have been gay, but they weren't sure. It seemed like they were, but it was the first time for both of them. But they didn't want to let the other guy know. Like, how does this work? <laughs> like, like that's what he literally says. I think is how, how do yeah. I do it, or how does this work? Hey, I like you, dog. I like you too, dog. Let's get married. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wasn't sure how it was working out there, but um, they never quite figured it out because the real phantom showed up and starts stabbing people. Mm-hmm. He ties up the uh, the second kid to. Uh, a piece of metal. <laughs> Everything's just like twisted pieces of metal. Right. Well, and two, like when he shows up, 
the one guy says drive and then he gets out of the car and then he lets his his friend run into something mm-hmm. and severely injure himself yeah and then yeah the, he gets uh, tied up and he gets tromboned <laughs> gets tromboned hard you just have to have a trombone there <laughs> but it's in a metal scrapyard so. well they were in the band weren't they yeah. How did they get out early? Because the band was still playing. Yeah, I'm not sure. But yeah, they recreate the trombone scene from the first movie. And then, so that's what murders one of four them. and five. Well, the other guy, was uh, he was beat up pretty, pretty bad, and he got shot through the eye. Yeah. From quite a distance, which uh, this killer's pretty unique because he does use a gun from time to time. Mm-hmm. Uses whatever it seems like, and most killers don't like using guns. Most serial killers or mass murderers don't use guns. Yeah, because it's it except ruins, for the DC sniper ruins the fun. Zzz. Snipers. Well, that was different. That was just target practice. <laughs> yeah, bit of a lover's quarrel there too. Oof. Yeah, I have it in my notes as the most awkward interracial gay couple <laughs> I've ever seen. <laughs> Oh man, what's is the next scene where Jamie's explaining to Nick how her parents died? Possibly, because the next thing I've written down is Lumberg gets a BJ, so <laughs> that seems like yours is more accurate. I think so, yeah. So she and Nick are talking. I can't remember if they're on the porch or in his car. I forget, but uh, she's telling a story about how. Uh, was she go to her friend's house when she was a kid and they were watching the movie and she got scared or somebody was telling a story about the phantom and she got scared so she called her parents to come pick her up. Yeah. And then they died in a car accident on the way home from picking her up. Yeah. And uh, she survived, obviously, but it's really her fault that her parents died. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so after telling that story, uh, Nick thought it was a good time to try to fuck her (laughs) (laughs) leans in for a kiss it's real eager she kicks him out of the car yeah because she makes him walk home yeah so uh i i don't know how he kept you know on her good side after that because he does but uh he shows up the next day and apologizing he's like i'm sorry she's like no i'm sorry (laughs) (laughs) she has some self-esteem issues i think yeah and it's probably related to her parents not being alive. But uh, I don't know, you think? I don't know. Well, Nick. Tragedy at a young age? Nick says, uh, I can relate because my parents killed themselves. So. <laughs> Didn't he? He said they killed themselves. I don't know. His parents are also, <laughs> also dead. Right after that is probably when Lumber gets his BJ. Yep. And he is enjoying himself. He's got uh, he's got a beer. I take that back. Even before that, they go ask the reverend about the email. Oh yeah, and he basically admits to it immediately without admitting to it. Mm-hmm. He doesn't deny it. Uh, he said he's doing the Lord's work, and he seems really shady. Yeah. So Anthony Anderson at least helped with that. Lone Wolf did some work. <laughs> he had to pause the movie. <laughs> <laughs> He's a lone wolf. He does what he wants to do. I guess so. 
I don't know. I suppose when your name is Lone Wolf, they don't send you with backup to go run the show. You're the, you're in charge. It's all up to you. And then we get to Lumberg's BJ. <laughs> yeah, he is enjoying himself very much. He has a beer. Does he have? Yes, they have the gun on the yeah on the end table next to him. He kind of slides the gun out of the way so he can grab the beer. <laughs> yeah, and he is just soaking it in. I couldn't tell the relation between him and this woman because they're both at the bar, and then he's like, I don't uh, know if she was just like the the town bicycle or uh, I thought she was a prostitute because didn't. Uh, he mentioned something like you working. Ah, okay, that makes sense. Cause she she didn't. Uh, there was nothing there. It seemed very transactional. Yeah. And uh, I think about when he's getting ready to climax, he gets shot through the eye. Yeah. And she's surprised. <laughs> <laughs> she's like, it "Wasn't me for once." And then she runs out of the house. And into the, I guess it's like a wheat field behind there. There's a scarecrow, um, which scares her. <laughs> and she screams like the, the phantom's behind her trailing. And for some reason, he can't just follow her path. Mm-hmm. Like he's got to walk his own path, so it's harder to find her. Yeah. Until she starts screaming at the top of her fucking lungs. Yeah. And then he knows exactly where she is. She's zigzagging in there, so he can't find all the... Well, the trample down wheat because it's rising back up so fast. I guess so. Serpentine. Well, she gets stabbed to death, and then she gets crucified like Jesus. Yep. And that uh, couple going to church seemed like the next morning found him, or saw her, I should say. Mm-hmm. That pretty much brings us right up on the, uh, the climax. Um, actually, I got another uh, clip here. Well, Jamie's still investigating, mm-hmm. and she says, well, I found out that the director of the movie, his son lives in the town. Let's talk to him. Let's go bug him, because obviously his dad directed the movie, so <laughs> he must know all about it. <laughs> um, Mr. Pierce, I'm writing something about the Phantom, about his legacy in our town. And- well, I can tell you who the killer is. Would that be interesting to you? Well, my father, when he was doing his research, he talked to everyone. Most people believe that Benjamin Sewell was the Phantom. No, he wasn't. No, no, no. Sewell was not the killer. No, they railroaded that poor son of a bitch. The police just wanted someone to be the killer. How do you know that for sure? How do I know? I don't know. You can't know. Oh. You know, I'll tell you a story that my father told me about Hank McCready. Hank McCready? A few days after the the last murder at Stark Farm, the police on the Arkansas side, they found a body all in pieces. They've been run over by a train. Now, this is the Arkansas police who say, Oh, it's the Phantom. He committed suicide. No more Phantom. Based on what? Nothing. It's based on nothing. But Hank McCready's pregnant wife, she demands an autopsy, and then it come out. He wasn't run over. He was stabbed more than two dozen times, right next to the tracks. My daddy, he had a theory about that. 
He said that the Phantom killed McCready, you know, his last victim, his final goodbye. And then he hopped a train to California. Mr. Pierce, I've read everything there is to read on this. I've never even heard of this Hank McCready. It should have been front page news, but while the Arkansas police were finding McCready, the Texas police, they're arresting Sewell and... So you've got two different camps saying they got the phantom. And what neither of them is piecing together is that Sewell was in custody when McCready was killed, proving that neither one was a phantom. So Sewell was in jail. And then did anything ever come from McCready? Oh, he's dead. Yep, and dead men don't complain much, but his pregnant wife, Mary, she's pissed as shit. Her name is Mary? My daddy tracked her down in 1974, and oh. She was still bitter. She said the Texarkana had done worse than killed her husband. It had shat on his memory. And in the process, it was shitting on her life. It was shitting on her son's life. Who you, you think is a phantom? No! No! Sorry. Hank McCready's dead. His son is dead. His grandson is still alive. That's your phantom right there pretty solid theory turns out to be right <laughs> which is still like partly another flaw for the movie i guess it's just kind of so unrealistic this grandson's like uh my daddy didn't have the balls to do it by god i'm gonna do it right he's gonna start murdering everyone because of my grandfather was murdered yeah and you said he wasn't <laughs> Oh. Sound reasoning. Okay. I guess that makes sense. And then pair him up with the guy that got killed in the beginning of the movie. And he got two killers. <laughs> <laughs> we just grabbed some runaway. I don't know. Knocked that, a couple of his teeth out. And... I don't know what Corey's motivation was. Yeah. We could talk about that when we get to it. Mm-hmm. But uh, he basically spells it out for you. Charles B. Pierce Jr. Yeah. I couldn't. I searched a little bit for McCready, see if that was a real victim. Um, at least on the Wikipedia page, it wasn't listed there. I tried searching the name, hmm. didn't really see anything about it. So I'm not sure if that's something that was just made up for the plot of this film or if it was actually uh, you know, a, a crime or a <clears throat> suicide or something like that that happened around the same time Yeah. on the Arkansas side. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, Charles B. Pierce, Jr., living in a, a houseboat in a gravel pit? It's <laughs> kind of what it looked like almost. It was weird. Was it wasn't, it a, like, down in a pit, but it was like seemed like it was just gravel and sand everywhere. Was it actually a houseboat? I think so. It wasn't just, like, a trailer? No, I think it was a houseboat that was just on land. <laughs> well, I guess in case he wants to get away, he can, because it's a boat. Yeah. <laughs> Waiting for the great flood to return. It's not just it's not just a house. It's also a boat. <laughs> uh, yeah. So uh, yeah, at this point, I believe Jamie's uh, grandma says, "Let's get out of here. Let's mm-hmm. go." I've never been out of Texas before. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go to California. But first, Jamie, uh, Jamie lets Nick fuck her. Just you know, mm-hmm. because. 
you know, he what, did you, what did you think of those lights outside people's homes that only light up when someone is standing in their front yard? They're like motion sensor, uh, motion detector lights, but they only light up once you're past the house, and yeah. then they turn off almost immediately. I've never seen anything like that. I was confused the first time I saw it. I'm like, that's... Like, I know they're getting at, but I'm like, do they actually make those? Because I'm pretty sure they don't. Well, they do have motion sensor lights, but yeah. usually you put them by the fucking door. The ones on the sidewalk are usually on all night. Well, I mean, I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about the fact that as soon as they got on the other person's property, that light would just shut off. It's like usually they there's like a 10 seconds right. or 20 seconds. And plus, you wouldn't even have to be like enter the yard. You'd be in the neighbor's yard and you'd set off, you know, the next door neighbor's light. Mm-hmm. You know, it, the range of it was kind of wide. It was, yeah. It, it was, was like so specific to each house. It was not your usual motion sensor lighting. Kind of a cool effect, though, I guess. Yeah. For a it, horror movie. Didn't make much sense, but it looked cool. <laughs> I guess so. And then, uh, you know, the deputy's just sitting out in his car not doing shit. Mm-hmm. Oh, there goes Nick. He's going to go fuck that girl. Because <laughs> she, she just is, uh, you know, has pity on anybody. And she has low self-esteem. So she thinks the only... Worth she has to anybody is her body. He's not a creepy suspect. <laughs> I mean, he just helps her investigate this, the, the murder. As soon as he found out that her parents died because she was afraid of the phantom, <laughs> he tried to fuck her. <laughs> That's not shady. So, yeah, this is uh, where they get into the car and they're headed out west. They got to get gas, though, first. There was a weird dream about uh, Bloody Corey walking into the woods after she fucked Nick before they <laughs> left for the California, which I suppose was foreshadowing in hindsight, Yeah, as we'll find out. But uh, yeah, Jamie and her grandma, she got to stop for snacks before they go at the, at the convenience store. They stop in a 1976 convenience store. <laughs> everything is severely outdated. It's like the town looks nice and they have this shitty ass, looked like full service gas station. It wasn't though, because the old man was pumping his old his own yeah. gas. Mm-hmm. It was just like very old pumps. Yeah, <laughs> we're not going to update these pumps in 40 years. <laughs> yeah, uh, while she's inside, shots ring out. She's just leaving. I forget. Does uh, the Phantom shoots the guy pumping his gas first, right? Yeah. And then the grandmother. Mm-hmm. And uh, then the, Jamie still tries to help then, her escape. Yeah, and then the clerk comes out and gets it. Yep. And uh, Jamie somehow manages to, to escape gunfire. Where did she get a gun again? I forget. She has a gun in her purse. I forget where she got it from. Where did you get a gun? I remember them showing it. I just can't remember where she got it now. She didn't get it from... Because uh, they went to the scene of uh, Lumberg's death. She might have picked it up there. Right? I don't know. Am I remembering right? She picked it up off of somebody. Hmm. Or is either... Maybe it was her grandma's gun. Could have been. I mean, everybody in Texas has a gun. I mean, she was at the gun range. The, the grandmother. Yeah. Shooting at the the hooded uh, target. 
It might have been Zach had Target. It might have been Grandma's gun. She might have pulled it out of Grandma's purse. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, she takes off running. So Phantom gets down out of his perch and chases after her, and she runs into the uh, like the city hall or courthouse or something like that. And then it's a bit of a game of hide uh, hide and go seek. Oh man, when did uh, Nick got murdered before they left? I forget how he died. Is it right after he leaves the house? Uh, he gets stabbed. Because I wrote Nick gets murdered, and I wrote murdered in all caps, so it must have been violent. Yeah, I forget how he goes. He must have got killed outside. Well, he had sex. He shouldn't have had sex. (laughs) (laughs) I also wrote, when they were at the uh, gas station, unlabeled bottled water is my favorite. (laughs) (laughs) So, Oh, yeah, so they they shot Grandma, they shot the old man, they shot the gas station cashier, and then uh, as she was running away, they show... Nick is out on the train tracks in pieces. Yep. So that's how you know it was McCready's kid. Mm-hmm. Yep. I don't know why that's how you know it is him, but you just assume that you know it's him mm-hmm. or his grandkid, whatever. Um, how do they get from the courthouse to the swamp again? I don't remember. Did she drive out there? Or maybe she just ran out into the woods. Yeah, I think she ran into the woods again, running through. Because, yeah, she runs across the, what, the railroad tracks. And yeah. There's a swamp on the other side. Yeah. She gets shot with some arrows. Yeah. Wanted to die a slow and painful death, I guess. Got one in the leg and one in the torso. And then there were two phantoms. Two of them. What the fuck? That's cheating. <laughs> that it is. Uh, so, yeah, Corey from the beginning turns out to be one of the killers. Uh, and the cop was the other one, the cop that was watching over her house. Deputy Foster. Yeah. And he says that they uh, they caught some teenage runaway and they, you know, cut his face up and then basically placed two of Corey's teeth in that corpse. <laughs> like, yeah, there he is. Case closed. And why did Corey need it? Uh, why was Corey in on it? No explanation needed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> As uh, she even, in the closing narration, which I'll play a clip of now, she even admits that, like, yeah, nobody really knows why they did <laughs> <laughs> So here's the, here's the final clip. This story is about Texarkana, a town that is really two towns, two sheriffs, two mayors, and in the end, two phantoms. After I came out of the Redwater Bayous that night, Ranger Morales and his men went back in. They wanted to close the most terrible chapter in our town's history. Some people say the swamp took Deputy Foster, that the swamp gave him the only burial he deserved. Others believed I hadn't killed the Phantom because he was something that couldn't be killed, a demon or a spirit. People believe what they need to believe. They make up whatever story they need to keep living sanely. The hardest thing for my town has been the wrestling to understand how Claiborne Foster and Corey found each other and put on those masks and did those inhuman things. Their lives were investigated and there was nothing linking them. They had nothing in common except the darkness in their souls. And I swear that will keep the Phantom alive as much as anything else. As for me, I did what my grandma always wanted. 
I left Texas and moved away to a new life, to a place where no one knows who I am or what I survived, where I'm the only person that knows that as quickly and as senselessly as death came to Texarkana in 1946, and then again late last year, it could come back the next time the sun goes down. So it was, Brett. It was the darkness in their souls. <laughs> <laughs> and we should mention that uh, Foster uh, turns on Corey and shoots him. Yeah. Uh, before Jamie shoots Foster. Yeah, which I, I don't get how they... Because Jamie had been shooting at him for like five minutes already. <laughs> they knew she had a gun. And neither one of them was like looking for it. And I think she was uh, she was face down, and then she turned over and shot him. Well, she, I think got. she was laying on her back. And they uh, came up, and she just kind of had the gun by her side. Was, I had to rewind it. I'm like, I don't even know how the physics work on that. <laughs> like, who the fuck shot this guy? Oh, it was her? Uh, I don't know if you say so. <laughs> <laughs> we should mention, too, when, uh, right at the very end, when she's, you know walking down the streets in California or whatever on campus or wherever the fuck she is, uh, the shadow of the phantom goes by. Mm. Like so, it's following her. Yeah. Like Followed she, her to California. Because she's so special. Well, that's, a, you know, could have been a theory from the original phantom that he hopped on a train to California to live out the rest of his days. And he's like, oh, fuck, I know that girl. <laughs> <laughs> I know her. God damn it. No, wait, I know her. She shot one of my victim's grandsons. <laughs> That's who she is. That bitch. It's like um, in California, we all wear sacks on our hands. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I should also point out that uh, the score for this movie is pretty incredible. I love the score. Um, you couldn't really hear it much, uh, especially in that last part, because it just kind of isolated the narration. But love the score. Mm-hmm. Um, other closing thoughts. I mean, this is uh, definitely a uh, a unique movie experience. Definitely a, took a chance on something different. Mm-hmm. And I think for the most part, it pays off. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. Now you can see where they, the genesis of Get Out came from. You know, these guys went on to make Get Out. They're already stretching boundaries. Yeah. 2014. Mm-hmm. Not really, but kind of. Um, <laughs> yeah, there isn't really dick for fun facts for this film. <laughs> Not a lot. And that is a scientific fact. Like The only real one I saw was character, you know, Chief Deputy Tillman, who's played by Gary Cole, is a reference to the former real-life Miller County Sheriff's Chief Deputy Tillman Johnson. Well, there's also this uh, Lone Wolf Morales character is a composite of uh, real life Texas Ranger Captain Lone Wolf Gonzalez mm-hmm. or Gonzayas. Yeah. I don't know how you say that. And the original movie's fictional version, J.D. Morales. Mm-hmm. I mentioned the the real life Lone Wolf in the beginning of the episode when I was talking about the real life story. But yeah, it's worth pointing out that that character is also in the 76 film. Yeah, I don't know. There's the only other thing, there's a body count of 12. Yep. That there is. That's pretty much it for fun facts. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, anything else you want to add? No, man. I, I think give, we'd probably both give it an eventually. Yeah. 
that's what I was going to say. Eventually. Yeah, um, definitely recommend you check it out. I mean, we always hope you've watched it before you listen to the episode, but... Right. Watch both versions. But we know Steve doesn't pay attention to that. <laughs> Thanks, Movie Drone, for listening. It's always funny when you hear Steve talk about it. Yeah, I was listening to their episode on this and this, and I think I might watch it. <laughs> <laughs> Supposed to watch it beforehand. Like, we just totally ruined it for you. <laughs> yeah. Not really, because a lot of these movies, like even if you know what's going on, going to happen, like a lot of the times it doesn't ruin it. Yeah, like, it's still enjoyable. This one more so than others, I think, because of the style. It's kind of what makes it unique. Yeah, the you know the kills and the blood, that stuff's kind of been done before, and it's not. I mean, the sex scene's probably the most graphic thing in the movie. Well, that whole sequence with the, <laughs> with the soldier and his girl. Uh, at the hotel, that whole sequence was probably the most brutal of the movie. Yeah, a little jarring. But yeah, even if you haven't seen this movie beforehand, like knowing how it ends, I think you can, you know, look for clues or anything like that to see if you can pick up, you know, what the the filmmakers were uh, were doing to try to give hints on to what the uh, the result would be. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah. All right. Well, why don't you remind the folks at home where they can buy some of our sweet merch and help out the show? You can go to teespring.com slash store slash WTM Watch This Movie. You got a new design up there specifically or especially for uh, the Thanksgiving fall season, I guess you could say. Or if you're a retro style connoisseur. Mm-hmm. If you will, we got t-shirts, hoodies, uh, lots of stuff. So uh, go check it out, and then uh, to save ten percent on your order, uh, when you check out, enter the promo code thanks. Thank you. Uh, you can reach out to us. You can email us at watchthismovie at yahoo.com. Follow us on Twitter at watchthis underscore movie, or Brett at positivelywolf one. You can uh, check out our website at WTMWatchThisMovie.com. And please rate and review, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and many other podcast apps. We will check you later. Guess we'll see you around. All right, check you later. Bye. Wait, man, why are you always such a dork, man? What are you talking about? Check you later. Check you later. (laughs) Hey, man, you're off my case.